Welcome to the Line Life Podcast. I'm Jeff Postelwaite, Senior Editor of TND World, and today we're bringing you more stories of the grit, courage, and inspirational teamwork that it takes to be a line worker. This is Amy Fishbach, Field Editor for TND World Magazine and host of the Line Life Podcast. Today I'm delighted to highlight Rustin Owen, who has worked in the power industry for 20 years. He started working in the industry in the U.S. Army Prime Power Unit, and during his time there, he traveled the world providing power to U.S. forces and helping in natural disasters. He was also one of the founders of the U.S. Army Powerline Distribution Corps Training Army Line Workers. Since he retired from the Army, he has been a safety professional working at an IOU and now is an application engineer working for Honeywell Salisbury. Line life is in his blood as he comes from a family of line workers. He has been married for 25 years and has three daughters. I interviewed Russ in the past for my story on Army line workers for Alignment Supplement a few years ago, and now I'm honored to feature him on this episode of the Line Life Podcast. Also, I have exciting news for our Line Life Podcast listeners. Now, instead of airing new episodes monthly, the episodes will be dropped weekly with a new episode each Friday. The first and third Fridays of each month will feature interview-style episodes, and the second and fourth Fridays of each month will feature audio stories. Please follow us on Podbean to be notified when new episodes are available, and thanks for listening. And now, here is the interview with Russ Owen. I'm here for the Line Life Podcast with Rustin Owen, who is with International Lineman's Rodeo Association Safety and Training Committee. Rustin, how's everything going today? Everything's going good today. It's been busy. We're keeping it going. (laughs) Perfect. So, Rustin, can you talk a little bit about the safety conference that you had over the last couple days and how you feel about how everything turned out? It turned out absolutely wonderful. We had more attendance than we ever had in the past. I think an estimated 400 plus. They were really interactive in there. They enjoyed it. We got great feedback saying that they're looking forward to next year. Great. So it's been a good, good thing. And we got a lot more people wanting to come in and be guest speakers as well. So that's where it really benefits is when we get those guest speakers from the industry in to talk to everybody out there. And it's real-time feedback. That's wonderful. And the Lyman's Rodeo Week, I know you've been coming out here for a while. How is this week different from years past that you've been here? Uh, it's grown. Yes, it has grown. grown. It's grown a lot. (laughs) Yes. Yes, uh, it's huge. The vendors, there's more vendors here. It's a giant space now. More people are coming. This morning I got pulled off and added another job to my list of traffic control because registration (laughs) lines got so big and we've had to redirect where people go. So it's not the normal that they've been used to. So it's something new. It's mm-hmm. great. So it's a good thing that it's growing. We have pains and everybody on the committee has doubled their job loads of normal. So it's been great. Again, the safety conference was huge. We had a lot of feedback from the vendors about that, that they came and they were asking more questions, things of that nature. And then everybody's looking forward to getting out to the grounds tomorrow. Oh, I'm sure. So what are you doing out on the grounds tomorrow? Out on the grounds, my role for the committee out there is safety. We have a lot of safety professionals on site. We have paramedics. We have fire department out there in case there's ever an emergency. And that's not just for competitors. A lot of times people that are attending twist an ankle. Everybody that's out there cooking, we've had a couple burns. Oh, really? uh, A couple cut fingers. Yes. Uh, But 
we're there to help with that. So I go around and I make sure that we can get the personnel there that need to be there and things of that nature. And we just try to make sure that it's a nice, safe show for everybody. And now, Reston, can you talk about your journey in the line trade and also how you got involved with the International Lineman's Rodeo? I got introduced to the rodeo because I went through a school to be qualified to climb for the military. And they said, there's this rodeo going on, which I had no clue about. And they sent us out here to compete and fell in love. Everybody here was helpful. I competed until injuries from the military prevented me from being a lineman as much. And I became part of the association then. And they helped me with meeting vendors, meeting other utilities on how to build a line school. And I built the one for the Army that you did the, the article yes. on, which made me infamous. <laughs> right. Uh, even got put into a rural magazine. And my dad and my cousins and uncles work in small co-ops out west. Mm -hmm. So they got to see my name and they're like, oh, now you're famous. <laughs> That's so right. It was it was a great time. They've helped me out when I retired from the military. Plenty of people asked for me to come work for them and, and take a job because of my experience here at the rodeo and knowing what I did in the military. Uh, and now I've moved on. I work with uh, Honeywell Salisbury as a technical application type expert so that we make the right equipment for the guys out in the field. And I use that background and knowledge. And then since I've been here, people have been asking me, what could you do for our training department? What can you do here? So it's wonderful to be known in this industry yes. and be able to get out and work and help people. And then, Russ, can you talk a little bit more about the Army Training School? From what I understand, when you are in the military, you kind of learn as you go. But in times of combat, you have said that that's not always the best time to learn how to work with electricity. So, Russ, can you talk about how the program has changed and grown over the years and how the Army is continuing to send line workers to Kansas City to compete at the International Alignments Rodeo? So, we really revamped the training. I, I had a, a lifetime uh, relationship with one of my best friends that was in the Army, James Lake, who now works for Ameren. He used to work for Southeast Alignments Training Center as well okay. when he got out. And we've maintained and, and tried to help build that for long-lasting and since I've been away from it, I retired 2016. I've been away from the Army. I kept in touch for a couple of years with the school and then kind of broke away this year. I got to see him back here. And like you said, they brought a lot of people to compete. Mm -hmm, so they did. it's huge. I just stopped by their booth a little while ago and I talked to the, the current Sergeant Major and Commander of it. And they didn't know who I was when I said Rustin Owen. But I said, well, I was known as Sergeant Nemo. And they're like, oh, <laughs> Nemo. Good. That. We know who you are. Yeah. So it, it turned out it's great to see that they're still pushing that and it's still going forward and that they look to this industry and this event to help them maintain the soldiers. So it's very important for everybody at home to have their lights on. They know when storms happen and the best of the best come here to do that. It's also nice to know that when our guys are overseas and they need power, that the best of the best are over there as well. So it's huge. The military was a huge, huge thing for me, and I'm so glad that it's such a big part of this show now. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's great to have a military division at the International Alignments Rodeo and have the U.S. Army sending out competitors to enjoy the rodeo week. And then what about the opportunities in the line trade for veterans once they finish their service? I wrote an article about veterans in the line trade for the Lyman Supplement for TD World, and I know there's a lot of opportunities out there. So, Russ, what do you see in the future for veterans in the line trade? 
I love it. I, I, I read your story. Of course, I follow you. Thank you. Uh, you, you wrote a story on me. I'm going to follow you. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I read it, and uh, since I've been out of the military and I've worked for an IOU, I met a lot of veterans there that didn't know about line work until after they got out. Doing storm work, I've come across other companies, contractors, and I meet veterans all the time. They're like, man, I wish I would have known about this when I was in there. So getting that word out more through the publications and stuff that, hey, there's a life, no matter what you did in the Army, you can go into this industry, and it's going to be like that same brotherhood. Yeah, you still got stringent rules. OSHA, ANSI, ASTM, all those guys are going to throw out rules, just like the Army did, but you got that brotherhood to protect you, and literally your life's on the line. And your brothers are there to keep you. They say brothers keep her a lot in this industry, and it's it's a big, big deal that way. Uh, so it gives you that brotherhood feeling and, and sisterhood now. There's a lot of females coming in this industry. Yeah, Great workers. They put it out there. I love it. It's fun to watch these manufacturers now of FR clothing try to, to fit women. Military went through that when they did they really when they yeah. when they changed because they used to make one size fits all. Oh my goodness, it's uh, not so, gonna work. <laughs> no, it, it's changing and right. the industry's changing. So uh, letting those uh, women in the military know that hey, this is something you can do too is yes. a huge thing. So getting that word out there and letting people in the military, no matter what their job is, know that there's something they can come to that you still get to go work outside. You're not stuck behind a desk or yes are doing something you really don't like you get to go out and work with people that have your back every day and you have their back and you put in hard work and at the end of the day you get to see what you did there's not a lineman military lineman civilian lineman everybody that doesn't drive down the road and tell somebody you know i built that pole you see that junction over there i was wondering that i bet you are very proud of anything you put up Oh, I'm yes, sure. And you it's going to be there for 100 years, probably. Oh, right? yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it, Even now when I go meet my family, because they were all linemen as well, we give directions by substations, by power lines. Do you really? Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to come across, there. there's a three-phase bank over here, take a left, you know. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so what was it like growing up in a line family? Uh, it was a very, very small co-op where my dad was at. With a large area, rural area out in New Mexico, I remember my dad being gone on storms sure. out there a lot. It wasn't big storms like the mutual aid stuff now. It was just three guys that covered an entire county of, of ranches out in New Mexico. So he'd be gone a couple of days because they had to drive so far and do stuff. All those guys were like family to me. I, I knew them all as uncle this or uncle that. They could pick me up from school because my dad was out on a trouble call. It was Long ago, I don't want to age myself, but it was yeah. long ago where yeah. my dad would take me on trouble call because he just needed somebody to run the spotlight. Really? So I'd be in the How truck. How old and were you? Uh, probably nine, nine? ten years okay, old. Okay, but you love being on the job with him. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'd hold the spotlight up for him and stuff. Uh, <laughs> it goes back. So he can't do it today. He wore his gaffs in there. And I remember one day holding the spotlight up, and I watched him open the door of the truck and walk to the pole. And he never broke stride until he got up to where he was going to work and did something and still yelled at me to keep the light on right here. So, you know, I didn't want to upset dad. But when I learned to climb, I said, I want to be able to just walk and not break stride. So mm-hmm. until I could do that, I didn't tell my dad I could climb. And then who else in your family are linemen? I've got a cousin that's a lineman. Uh, I've had a great uncle that was in the trade. I got a nephew now that's trying to get into the trade. Okay. So, um, Is he an apprentice or... 
Uh, he's trying to find an apprenticeship. He wants to live up in Idaho. He loves being out in the wilderness there and stuff like that. So he's trying real hard to work on that. He's got his CDL. He went to Lineman College and, oh, and stuff like yeah, that. Northwest so Lineman College. Yep. Yeah. So he, he's working on it real hard to get into the trade. So mm -hmm. just looking around, see if anybody from Idaho is here to say, hey, I know an apprentice out there. That's perfect. And then what is your advice to line workers and their families to balance family life and work life? It's definitely different. I'll compare it to military life. I've been married going on 26 years. Congratulations. That's awesome. I just got all the kids out. But honestly, my wife was probably more of a single mother when yeah. I was in the military. We had very long deployments, six months, 12 months, gone. And then when I'd come back from a six-month tour or nine-month tour in Iraq, I'd be gone for another month going on a hurricane. So she raised the kids a lot, and mm -hmm. but without her support and her following through and supporting me and everything and understanding what I go through, it's not there. So these blind days now, they guys come home, they go out in the middle of the night. You know, the wife usually has to have a job in this economy these days too. Be all right. So there's a lot on their shoulders, but when you give that love and support, the lineman's going to give that love and support right back. When they do have time off, they're about being with their family. Mm -hmm. uh, that's very important. Line crews get tight, so your family grows. The guys you work with, the wives usually meet each other, and those communities grow. You got line wives, you got fallen linemen. All those organizations come together because they know how this life is, and they really pitch in and help. And, and times, accidents happen, bad things happen, and they, they come in and help a lot. And most of the time you'll meet somebody, they've either received assistance or gave assistance. Because it, it has a larger family than just the one at home when something happens. Yes, you know, it's really heartening to see how all the line families come together when something bad happens or they need extra help. And then going back to the Army linemen, what do you think are some qualities that make Army veterans good line workers when they get out? When they get out, well, they've, they've been on that. I'm ready to go. I go to get the job done. I'm going to work till it's done, and I'm going to do it right. Somebody's life depends on it. So that means a lot to people in the military. And if they just really work hard at it. And then if they come out of the feeder that I did, the MOS that we did, we did power generation and distribution. And they're highly educated. You get almost an associate's degree when you finish. A lot of those guys also go into NEDA testing. They get certified in that. So many things. You're working power plants. A lot of the guys that I served with that are also retired now, I know that they're in director spots in some utilities or at power plants or leading teams that are doing all the NEDA testing, substation testings, things like that. It's just huge what's out there. And they just really have that drive. They really do. So, Russ, if a young man or woman wanted to get into the Army training school to become a line worker, what's kind of the route to get there? Well, find the recruiters and tell them you want to be a 12 Papa or 12 Quebec. Those are the MOS designations. Uh, most of them don't know, and it's, it's kind of a hidden resource. But if you really research it, you can find it. There's only one battalion in all the Army, and it's the 249th Engineer Battalion. Once you look them up and find it, you can start finding resources. They have people that will take your call and help you. There's a testing process to get in there, stuff like that. So people that are in the military and you want to change your job, that's one way to do it. Talk to your, your recruiters, your retention NCOs, things like that, and they will direct you that way. But you can also just go on Google and put 249th Engineer Battalion, 
and you'll find contact numbers and they'll walk you through the process. And what does it take to get into that battalion? I don't know anymore. When I went through, you had to take a, a basic math and science test, which is misleading. I thought it was just simple math, but no, they get into <laughs> physics and calculus. Oh, wow. So it, it is a difficult test, but yes. you, once you pass that and you have a letter of recommendation and stuff like that, it goes in. I think they've relaxed some of that because they need more people, but they still want to be able to make sure that they get somebody that they can educate fully. So there's a big process on that. I know they do have a booth out here. So if anybody's at the rodeo right now and you're interested, go by their booth. They can walk you through it all. So it's a great organization. That's another family. Like I said, I still talk to the guys that I was in that organization with, and it's been almost 10 years now, and we still communicate a lot. That's fantastic. And Russ, is there anything else that you'd like to say to the Line Life podcast listeners? Hey, this <laughs> I follow this. I watch it. It's a great, great podcast. There's great information that comes out. You always do such a great job of talking about what's out there and what's going on bringing up the issues like women coming in and what kind of clothes can they wear? Sure. Because one size doesn't fit all. Uh, military folks getting out, getting in, it, it's huge. And I think this industry can really use those guys and gals coming out. Uh, it's a big industry. And then if they ever get to come to this show, they're never going to want to leave it. That's true. You're kind of a lifer, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I Like I said, I competed in 2005 and I've missed some shows here or there mm -hmm. because of storms, because of deployments, yes. things like that. But it's a great group that puts on this show. The association are the best people. I've made lifetime friends from there, mentors. Uh, it's really a great show and it really tells what the industry does. You find that family here just like you do out in the the industry. Wonderful. Well, I enjoyed talking to you, Russ. Well, thanks for having me again. Sure, I appreciate absolutely. it. This episode of the Line Life podcast was written, recorded, and edited by Amy Fishbach. It was produced by Jeff Polstowaite. That's me. To listen to past episodes, visit www.tdworld.com backslash podcasts or find us at Podbean. You could also drop us a voice memo or message at linelifepodcast at gmail.com with your comments on this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow this show on Podbean or your favorite podcasting app to be updated when new episodes are released. Thank you for listening.